White Cloud shoots. Not down. A rebound. Score! Chandler Stevenson. Rebound goal for the Knights. Chandler with two great looks in that sequence. Nobody is ever satisfied with one. So we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael shuffling down to the goal line. Carlson dancing out in front. Score! Backhand pass. Carlson to Marcheseau. What a goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com, here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Three-game night in the National Hockey League, including the Golden Knights against the Colorado Avalanche, is underway. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, and don't forget Chris Chapman at the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Uh, games include the Minnesota Wild up against the Dallas Stars, and we'll update that one in just a little bit in one-timers. The Philadelphia Flyers behind Jamie Drysdale's debut after the big and surprising trade from the Anaheim Ducks are taking on the Montreal Canadiens, who scored on both shots in the first period. They're two for two uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's always a, a great stat. Uh, it never ends up being anywhere close to that, but uh, John Tortorella, I can't imagine what he's going through uh, watching that one. And then the Golden Knights uh, wrap up the night against the Colorado Avalanche, uh, a game in which uh, Vegas will try to put uh, consecutive wins together for the first time in a while. Yeah, it, it'll be a, a tough ta- challenge to do so against uh, Colorado, but for the Golden Knights, this is... Uh, an opponent in Colorado that Vegas knows very well and at times has been able to frustrate. So hopefully for Vegas, they're able to frustrate Colorado again tonight, and it leads to two points. Do you look at this as two rivals? Uh, Do you look at it and frame it as the last two Stanley Cup champions, or do you look at it as two teams who have uh, found themselves uh, uh, just uh, quite – just a little bit below where they want to be this season because sometimes we can look at the big picture a little bit too much or get too focused on the immediate picture uh, and forget about the headlines of what this matchup really is. Yeah, I think that it's it's two rivals. I think I probably frame it that way because I think there is a rivalry between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. The you know kind of you look at the last two champions and and that narrative is true, but it's also unfair in that for Colorado they did not have to go through the Vegas Golden Knights when they won their championship, and for the Golden Knights they did not have to go through the Colorado Avalanche when they won their championship. And I just I look at it as as a really evenly matched rivalry and two teams that have respect for one another don't necessarily love one another and i think that you you get a little bit more juice when you look at it from that perspective they both did go through the edmonton oilers though okay that's fair so the road was uh, somewhat challenging and it was, it was similar in that regard but i, I my only point in bringing that up is I think that if you looked at Colorado and Vegas that you'd want another one of those playoff series. You get the best out of both teams when Vegas and Colorado meet in the postseason, and it's one aspect that you didn't have in route to your championships, but one that I think a lot of people want to see happen this season. Okay, so I talked about uh, how the West is loaded with Stanley Cup contenders, uh, potentially yeah. as many as seven. Right now, and that's with still the possibility that uh, a Seattle continues its lights-out play that, uh, that led up to Christmas. When you examine the standings right now, and we're halfway through the season, but where, where, the, where it's relevant is we've gone through a couple of shortened seasons 
in the last little while. It, it used to be, well, if the playoffs started today, well, there'd be an investigation because why would you stop at 52 games or why would you stop at 48 games? Uh, we're, we're right around the 40 number, and we've been in that area because of COVID halting a couple of seasons. So there's, there's precedent for being able to look at where teams are at this number of games. And if the playoffs started today, it would be Winnipeg against Edmonton in the first round. That's the reward for the for the Winnipeg Jets uh, being the best team in the National Hockey League. Vegas would face the Los Angeles Kings in yeah. the opening round. I think that is one of the more expected matchups that you could see. If you don't win your division, you're probably going to face one of Edmonton or Los Angeles, at least going into the season. The, those three teams were anticipated to be your, your top three. If you, if you finish second, you're going to get one of those other teams. So Vegas would be against Los Angeles in, yep. in the first round, and uh, Vancouver would get Nashville. Like It's, it's kind of curious, uh, though, the way things – and Colorado would match up against Dallas. So yep. you, you're, getting, you're getting a like – whether it's uh, Winnipeg against Edmonton, Colorado against Dallas, Vegas against uh, Los Angeles – three of the four first-round matchups in the Western Conference, if you started the playoffs today, uh, would be considered to be a very, very difficult test for uh, the, the higher seats. And that's part of the danger, I think, in finishing first overall in the, in, in the conference is you know, there's an opportunity, right, where the Edmonton Oilers do not catch L.A. or Vegas or Vancouver. They do not work themselves into a, a top three spot in the Pacific. And then you could be a top seed having to play and having to go through the Edmonton Oilers in the first round, which is not a, a reward in any stretch, especially if you win the conference. So um, it, it just kind of leads you into a, an area where, um, every matchup in the West is a potential be great. barn burner. It, it, it is. It's going to be uh, great hockey, and and you've got some legitimate rivalries. Colorado-Dallas, that's huge. Vegas-LA, that would be incredibly fun. Um, Winnipeg and Edmonton, they've played each other in the past in the playoffs, and uh, the, the Jets have done a great job neutralizing Connor McDavid. So there's, there's plenty of opportunity here to have some great playoff series if the playoffs were to start today. And for those things, uh, Edmonton's going to end up top three in, in the Pacific. Don't worry. Uh, well, if they do, they the closest team to bump back would be yeah. Los Angeles. So that that would mean that Vancouver would get Los Angeles and Vegas would get Edmonton. So right. it, it, it doesn't matter as far as whether Edmonton passes Los Angeles or, or Vegas, uh, you're still going to have incredibly difficult challenges. Uh, no William Carlson. Uh, we know that uh, for the next little bit. Uh, William Carrier had a, a procedure done uh, today, and so he is now listed as week-to-week. Week. Uh, ben Hutton uh, is out for the next little bit, along with Shea Theodore. So the injuries uh, piling up. It's it's funny. You, you, you go through this exercise, and when you're on live radio, like we are, and you're trying to add it up in your head, it becomes uh, a very difficult task to do it on the fly because you're at the stage now where there's so much uh, fluidity within the Vegas Golden Knights injury situation where you're always forgetting somebody 
in along that mix. Uh, by all accounts, Aiden Hill expected to be back in goal tonight, so that's a positive for the uh, for the for the Vegas goal tonight. So the goaltending is trending towards uh, something uh, positive and getting their two number uh, two National Hockey League goaltenders in the lineup. Caden Korzak's been assigned to the Henderson Silver Knights, so he's going to be back playing. Uh, the 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 four guys in question right now. Just happen to be uh, a big part of your depth in Carrier and Hutton, and then top end talent and power play people in Carlson and Theodore. Yeah, I mean, incredibly important players. And, you know, you look at the way that Vegas is built, and we've talked about it a couple of times today leading into this game against Colorado. It's all about depth. It's all about the ability to roll over four lines. And a big reason why Vegas was able to do that is because William Carlson was having a resurgent year offensively. You have one of the best fourth lines in hockey with Carrier, Waugh, and Kolasar together. So that changes how some things look for the Golden Knights up front. And then as, as we've talked about, now you know you get like a 20-game, 21-game sample size of what life looks like without Shea Theodore. It's very different. And so for Vegas, it's really been trying to figure out what combinations, which players, how you can kind of maximize individual skill sets to fit into the overall parameters of how Vegas needs to play. And I think that that's a work in progress for Bruce Cassidy. Work in progress, and it's never just good. Uh, I guess in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, outside of that uh, couple of games against Winnipeg, uh, you had a pretty stable lineup, and things went very, very much according to plan uh, as far as who was available. But uh, even then, the Edmonton series, you had the, the, the change in goal. So uh, for two rounds, you the Dallas mm-hmm. and the Florida rounds, you didn't have any changes. But beyond that, uh, it just feels like there's that constant. And, and it's happening to every team. Uh, yeah. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, hockey fans all over the Las Vegas Valley. It's it's everywhere right now where teams are getting bit by the injury bug. And I don't know why. Uh, I, I don't know uh, w- what's causing this, this rash of injuries and absences to star players. But uh, Vegas is by no means uh, the, the only team and, uh, and team that's, uh, that's having to adjust within the organization. Yeah, I... You know, you look at kind of an 82-game schedule, and I think that one of the aspects of, you know, being able to be a good team is is kind of battling through that attrition and having the players uh, or at least having the opportunity or the options to get through some of those some of those stretches. And, you know, I, for Vegas, they've certainly been able to mitigate it well of late, but, you know, it, it feels like, and, and this is a, a conversation that I think we've had before, it feels like almost every other game you're you're dealing with a different look to your lineup you're looking at a different player in or out whether it's illness whether it's injury uh, it just hasn't been the continuity hasn't been there from a player for player perspective and yet i still think for vegas they they've done enough in terms of how they played on saturday against the islanders to kind of build off of that and i think when you've got like for like skill sets in it should help you and I, I do look at this organization as being a little bit more uniquely qualified to deal with injuries than some other places because they are built on a cornerstone of depth. 
Bruce Cassidy uh, spoke this morning ahead of this game against Colorado Avalanche and uh, our good friend uh, Darren Elliott uh, handling the microphone duties uh, for uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights in this availability. And here's some other voices uh, from the Avalanche uh, media side as Bruce Cassidy sizes up this matchup against the Colorado Avalanche, a meeting of the last two Stanley Cup champions. Your, your depth scoring came to the floor last game. How important is that? against this team, the Avs? Well, I think it's important against anybody, but especially against a team that's probably going to score some goals. It's, you know, you can certainly limit them, but not very often. We happened to shut them out last time. They still generated a lot. We got good goaltending, and so that's something that's tough to do. So you're going to need some people chipping in, and um, but we need it in general for our team. We've, we've been struggling a little bit, and it's, it's good for morale, good for everybody when they're getting scoring from up and down the lineup, especially when you're used to to that and good for Nick Waugh for getting a couple. To that end, they play their top players an awful lot, so that comes down to matchups as well. How does that play into it? Well, we're not going to match up every shift because we don't play ours that that much, so we're probably looking at a couple of different lines. One of them obviously would have been Carly. He's great at that, but he's not available tonight, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Jack can play against anybody we feel. So can Stevie when he's on. We've used our fourth line, Nick Waugh, against anybody, especially face-offs in our end on that right dot. So I'm sure you'll see them out there against them. They take pride in that matchup too. So I think you'll see it by committee. Uh, John may look to get one of the you know, deep, deep pairings more than others. But even that, we've, if you, you, know, you know, in the playoffs last year, we played whoever was up. Uh, we asked them to do the job. And so it, it's a, a shared responsibility for us up and down the lineup. But again, with... with such dynamic guys like that and now you include a defenseman in the mix so you need a four left a left winger that can really angle when, when McCarr gets going and, and keep him on the outside in the offensive zone so that's something else well you know you're, you're not only looking at okay here comes McKinnon but is McCarr right behind him and he usually is so you know it's a sort of a, a, a double whammy there. Bruce Jack Eichel mentioned looking for consistency you know at the halfway point of the season what does that mean for you, from your perspective, you for, for the team or for yeah. himself? For the team. For the t- listen, we went through a stretch last year in December where we had a tough go, um, and then we eventually found our game, survived, and then really had a strong second half. So, would we like history to repeat itself right into June thirteenth? Absolutely. Um, so I agree with them, and some of that comes with, you know, we lost Aiden Hill for a stretch. Um, you know, we lost some D uh, Theo who ran the power play. So you're putting other people in there. And so there's going to be a little bit of a drop off, but there was too much. We still have lots of good players, lots of depth. So I agree with them. Uh, some of it may be that mental grind of repeating. Colorado would know that better than anybody. They went through it. Um, and I don't know how it affected them in the middle of the season, but I've been told that can be tough. So I think we are going through it. Now it's time to come out of it here pretty soon because things are tightening up in the West. And um, I think our guys recognize that. So we have actually addressed that this week. We went back to school a little bit with video and practices and get back to details. So hopefully it translates in our play. Coach, when you had a player like Barbershop like you did last year, and he's, he's seamlessly just gets into the rotation, is that a testament to team chemistry and just well, what you're building there? I think it was a, a, a the fit was good for what the player brought, you know, and there was some other guys out there, right, that that, that are kind of physical, get to the front of the net, can still complement a skill guy like Jack and Marshy, get pucks off the wall in the breakout, doesn't need the puck between the blues. So he was a good fit in what he brought. Uh, so that part of it is was a testament to the people that identified him and for what we needed on that line. 
but it's also our, our group is a good group and, and they were very welcome teddy bluger came in and did jonathan quick came in and did a great job so these are all great guys but i think our our, our room was good at welcoming them and making sure that you know that this is what it, how, you know how we're going to be good golden knights and um you know there's a lot of respect in that locker room for for every player in the league you don't have to be a star and i thought that did a real good job last year the reason why i ask is because it seems like hockey players unlike any other sport are are, are good at like bygones, you bygones. What happened off the ice? Oh yeah, that that stuff is part of the game, right? And and uh, yes, I do believe that. And a lot of Canadians in hockey. So. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> Jared Bednar was in your shoes last year in terms of managing a group in their title defense season and dealing with a mountain of injuries. What have been some challenges and new perspective that you've gained that people might not realize? Uh, I think what you gain is your. And I talked to Betsy a little bit and John Cooper too about, you know, when, when they won uh, some of the challenges. It was more about training camp probably than because we didn't know what we'd face. And now we are going through what Colorado did. I think you're always fighting the moment. Okay, you got to get the best out of your players now versus the long big picture down the road. Let's just nose to the grindstone, keep at it. Uh, maybe we don't like where our game is tonight, but we can't fix it all at once. We've got to allow the guys to play through it. They've been there and trust them. So I think that's the part that we're going through now. Um, and then there comes a time where we went through what we lose seven of nine, that it's like you, you do got to now get their attention. Hey, this can't go on forever. We're going to give you some slack, but at some point we got to get back to our game and win our share of games. And I think that's the moment we're at now. And it helps that we're going into the second half because that can just be a mental thing. Now you're in the second half of the season as opposed to still in the first. So the end of the year seems like it's closer to, and to the goal that you want to get to. So I think it's kind of a long-winded answer, but I think that's what Bedsy probably went through too at points last year. And um, we're going through now. And I know Coop went through it because I talked to him about it. So it's just part of the deal. It seems like after you win, there are some injuries. And is that because of the short summer? Is that because of everything that was left on the table the year before? I don't have the answer to that, but we're, we're certainly living it. You get Aiden, Aiden, Aiden Hill back, sorry. Um, is this the perfect timing kind of for that, especially with Logan being out with illness? Yeah, I mean, the, the plan was Logan was going to play tonight originally, and we were going to leave Aiden behind to give him a couple extra days and not have to travel for his first game and deal with that part of it, our altitude. But, I mean, that that was a luxury we felt we had because we were going to split them in. They weren't going to go, neither guy was going to go back to back. But that went out the window with Logan's illness, so it's going to be Aiden tonight. Um, if he comes to the rink ready to go tonight, he's in. Um, and and uh, Logan, we'll see when we get back uh, to Vegas if he's ready to go. Um, hopefully it's not, not that serious and he's ready to go. If not, it's Patera, he's here. Uh, the couple of things in there. One, uh, yes, Canadians, we, we forgive, we forget, uh, and uh, we move on. Uh, that's uh, certainly the case uh, with you guys. Uh, we, we have it out on a daily basis, and I'm always the one just to go, ah, off my shoulder like a duck back. Uh, so that's uh, good to hear and uh, reinforced by Bruce Cassidy. And the other part was going back to school the last couple of days and just uh, fine-tuning their game with a couple of good in-depth practices uh, for Bruce Cassidy and company. Uh, yesterday was one of the, the best that I've seen players staying out almost to a player uh, out there uh, after practice. In fact, they were running a couple of drills at the end of the formal part of practice, which is highly unusual, and uh, with uh, balanced groups, so the defensemen on one side and, and the players on the other, and the day before was a really 
long practice, uh, Dauphin, uh, and that was the one where it was uh, Thompson and uh, Aiden Hill at opposite ends. Patera uh, did most of his work uh, prior to. So uh, I'm uh, I'm curious to see. We, we talk about uh, the injuries and the fluidity of the lineup and trying to get out of uh, this little bit of a, a flat spot that the organization has found itself in. But the impact of practices isn't immediate. But now you're getting to the stage where there should be some inroads in what uh, they've been able to apply to reinforcing that base. Considering the opponents, right? Like considering you've got Colorado and Boston over the next two days, that's going to be important to have uh, those details a little bit sharper and to, to just kind of feel like you're putting in that work in practice to be able to perform uh, to the higher level or at a higher level in the game. And, and you know, I, I thought the, the part about Bruce saying that, you know, at times you're fighting the moment and trying to figure out how to get the most out of a player individually or collectively on a day-to-day basis instead of, you know, maybe just trusting that they'll be able to work themselves out of it. I, I thought that that was really telling. It was really interesting. And, you know, I, I am expecting the Golden Knights to – at, with 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 more practice time, look more and more like themselves uh, in in much the way that they did on Saturday against the, the Islanders. Logan Thompson stays back. Uh, he was ill yesterday, so if you are looking at it and uh, you listen to Bruce Cassidy, uh, he would be the odds-on guy to go tomorrow uh, if he's available, if he feels uh, up to. Uh, it physically so that uh, gives you the uh, the goaltending tandem of Aiden Hill uh, returning to the lineup and uh, he's played what six minutes uh, in the last um, two months uh, going back to uh, his the game that he left against Vancouver and then came back and had the initial start against the Ottawa Senators so there's not a lot there the good thing is uh, I mean there's there's nervousness and uh, just, uh, I'm sure, anxiety uh, about from him about, with the organization uh, being out that long and coming back. And the Ottawa game proved, like, you, you can't replicate a lot of that in practice. And you might just uh, not be able to test or work on, on everything that you need to work on from a muscle uh, standpoint uh, to to make sure that everything's uh, ready until you get into a game, and that's what the Ottawa uh, situation proved, right? Uh, but this uh, this will be one of those get through a period, get through two periods. Uh, away we go. Europeter is there uh, to to provide insurance, and then hopefully uh, everything goes great, and then you can come back with Logan Thompson tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you have two opportunities to win here if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, right? You have an opportunity for Aiden Hill to start and finish the game. I, I think that you take as a win, uh, assuming that that's what happens. And then you have an opportunity to win the game. And Aiden Hill has been phenomenal in the 15 games, the 15 appearances that he's had so far this season. And what you want more than anything else is to have both Aiden and Logan available to you in the rotation that makes the most sense for both guys. So uh, it's a step in that direction. But for Aiden Hill, the objective here is to start and finish tonight's game. Grigory Denisenko, uh, we'll see him again. And I think uh, we're, we're still waiting for the Denisenko moment in a VGK uniform uh, as he, he uh, continues to go up front for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Lucas Cormier, I, I don't know exactly what the pairs 
will be tonight. Uh, you've got options on that back end. Uh, there is some speculation that Zach Whitecloud's going to be able to uh, return to the lineup after missing the Islander game with an upper body injury. If he does go back, uh, is it Cormier that uh, that stays in? Is it Bjornfoot uh, that uh, that stays in? Or where do they go on that front? Uh, but uh, but up front, uh, Kolasar was back with Nick Waugh. I like that, and I'm really I, I'm. I'm Every game that I see him play with Nick Waugh, I like Paul mm-hmm. Cotter more and more and more. So uh, while they've loaded up on those top two lines, uh, uh, without Will Carrier, like, I wonder, does, does Paul Cotter slide into that uh, power forward, take the puck hard to the net uh, play, and Paul Cotter probably has a little more finish to his game than, than Will Carrier. I'm still hoping for a 20-goal season out of Will. Uh, but uh, but I, I wonder if this is uh, an exposure to uh, an area of the game for Paul Cotter and what's being asked of him playing with Nick Waugh and Keegan Colasar because it is different than when you play with uh, Mark Stone or uh, William Carlson. Uh, it, your, your, your role is, is different. Uh, I wonder... If uh, if this is a a blessing in disguise for for Paul Cotter, yeah, I mean I, I think it's an opportunity, right? And and we we look at opportunities in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's playing up in the lineup, and other times it's leaning into a skill set that you have that you're still kind of learning and figuring out and discovering. And what we've talked about with Paul Cotter of late is how strong he is and how that opens up his ability to make plays because of his strength and his tenacity on the puck. So uh, if he is alongside Nick Waugh and Keegan Colasar, then there's more opportunity for Paul to play that puck possession type of game, get lost in the offensive zone, and then if you do get those pucks in in really good spots, great areas, uh, that's where the finish of Paul Cotter can really shine. And there's always a a fear, a a player of Paul's ilk because he's more top six than he is bottom six projection right mm-hmm. you, you look yeah. at uh, where you where you see him does he join that group and look at himself as the goal scorer as the shooter and whereas with a william carlson or uh with a jack eichel he goes and gets the puck uh and and he b- plays a little more uh of a power game uh does does he change his game because he's with uh, the uh, Wa Colasar group and more of an energy group? You don't want that to happen. You still want him to be attacking physically and uh, and uh, generating uh, pressure off the forecheck and and not considering or counting himself as the goal scorer of the line and waiting to be fed. And if uh, if he does that or continues to do that because I think we've seen some really strong uh, strides in being able to be more consistent, uh, then then you might have uh, an even bigger growth set uh, for uh, Paul Cotter, a, a guy that's, uh, that's had to uh, navigate some challenges this year in different uh, droughts, and this is an opportunity for him to just become, add to the layers of, of his game. For sure. I, I think for Paul, like one of the aspects that, that he's he's working on and working through, I think, is learning how he fits alongside his line mates and then learning how he can help bring out the best of them, learning their tendencies 
and and making it as synergistic as possible. And I think the the more confidence that he gets, and the more he leans into being that physical presence that he's been. Really, at every stop or every position that he's played so far this season, I think that can can make itself a little bit more predictable and really allow a line uh, to to find their stride. So I'm I'm interested to see where Paul lines up tonight, and I'm interested to see how it goes for him. He was a physical presence yesterday as I interviewed uh, Lucas Cormier for the pregame show on Script Sports tonight at 6:30. Uh, Lucas and I were talking about the stick that he uses and it's a longer stick than uh, maybe a player uh, of, of his side was used and Paul Cotter came by and gave him a bit of a shove and uh, and then we got into some back and forth on that so it was it was vintage Paul Cotter it was a lot of fun uh, and you can watch that with Ashley Weiss and Gary Lawless at 6.30 on Vegas 34 and Nighttime Plus the pregame show going into a national broadcast on uh, TNT tonight you can also listen to Ryan Wallace we'll have a one hour pregame show uh, coming up uh, at the top of the hour on uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, hello to Brian McCormick, uh, voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, driving around the, uh, the Las Vegas Valley. Uh, thank you. He uh, was uh, dropping off some uh, stuff from the uh, Henderson Silver Knights as it relates to the Las Vegas Thunder Tribute Night, which uh, mm-hmm. comes up on Saturday afternoon at the Dollar Loan Center. They're going to wear those uh, throwback sweaters. Uh, lucky the mascots involved, but uh, looking a lot like the teal of the uh, Las Vegas Thunder back in the IHL. So uh, that's going to be fun, and we'll have more on that uh, in the back half of this uh, back-to-back tomorrow on the TV side. You'll be able to see those sweaters for you. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with a couple of tickets to see the Vegas Golden Knights against the Nashville Predators. Uh, those will be available in one-timers. News notes from around the National Hockey League on the way. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for One-Timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. We got some injuries to get to from last night in the National Hockey League, and they're piling up. Uh, Start with the theme and the trend from the last three and a half weeks, and that's goaltending. The Boston Bruins with that dynamic tandem have now lost Vesna Trophy winner Linus Allmark, uh, and it looks like it could be longer term as he fell in overtime uh, last night against the Arizona Coyotes. Jeremy Swayman came in, only faced one shot, and uh, it didn't go well for Swayman. It wasn't his fault, but uh, hard, hard to sit, difficult situation to come in. He'd been on the bench. He hadn't faced a shot for three hours, and he'd come in. And I'd almost rather go straight to a shootout than uh, the phase overtime going back and forth. But Allmark had to be helped off the ice by a couple of teammates, and he will uh, not be available for the next stretch. No update as far as what it is beyond a lower body injury, but uh, a team with the the best tandem in the National Hockey League based on uh, what they've been able to do the last couple of years in that record-setting campaign is now down to Jeremy Swayman to carry the mail. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long Olmark is out for and how much uh, leaning the Bruins are going to be doing on uh, on Jeremy Swayman. Like, I think Swayman's a really good goaltender, obviously. Um, he's been a, a part of that tandem that has been among the best or the best in the National Hockey League for two years running now. And, you know, I, I think that you can probably lean on Swayman a little bit more and, and get similar results from him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see and, and keep an eye on that one for the Boston Bruins. They are not deep when it comes to their 
American Hockey League team. So we'll it's it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. Uh, I I know that you can lean on one guy a, a little bit more in the absence of the other, but the the problem with that is if anything ever happens to your one guy. I mean, that's exactly why Vegas last year and that four games with four different goaltenders went yeah. four deep. And, and they won all four games, but they could have played Jonathan Quick on back-to-back nights from Carolina to St. Louis, but they're like, we're, we're already three deep. We can't, like, put him in a bad spot and have him get hurt, and then we're down to five, six uh, within the lineup, and they were fortunate. Yuri Patera stepped in and was, was lights out. Uh, the issue with the Boston Bruins is if is if you go and uh, and you challenge Jeremy Swayman too much and he gets worn down or suffers some kind of injury, then you're uh, you're really into it. Uh, Brandon Bussey is the uh, guy that's been called up, and uh, he's uh, he was an underafted player uh, coming out of the NCAA at Western Michigan and has never played in the National Hockey League. So there you go. That's they, you go from the ultimate strength the biggest strength in the National Hockey League when it comes to tandems. Uh, and you are all of a sudden with a, a still a young guy in Swayman and uh, Bussy, who's uh, never played in the National Hockey League. Uh, other injuries to tell you about. Uh, this one hits close to home for you. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres have lost uh, Jeff Skinner, uh, who was injured last night. And that's going to be a challenge for, because he was having uh, an absolute rock star season. Uh, and yep. Uh, Jeff Skinner, dynamic uh, on that top line, and uh, with him out, how does Buffalo? Uh, it's just another roadblock in the way of getting back into this race in uh, in the Eastern Conference. And it didn't sound great uh, from uh, the Sabers after the game. Yeah, no, it's it's not a good situation for Buffalo, obviously, uh, to not have Jeff Skinner available. And I, I think at this point, like you're 41 games into it. I expected more out of the Buffalo Sabres this year. It has not panned out that way, and I I don't expect that they're going to be able to withstand this injury to Jeff Skinner and push themselves up the standings. So uh, I think it's just one of those scenarios where maybe you'll turn your attention next year for the Buffalo Sabres. Upper body injury for Jeff Skinner. uh, uh, It could be an indefinite. They're they're using that word indefinite yeah. the, the team isn't but uh, several reports are uh and uh the head coach uh donnie granado awesome dude by the way uh he is cautiously optimistic that he wouldn't be out for very long but they're going to get some imaging done uh, when it comes to jeff skinner now here's uh, the situation with trevor zegris uh he left last night in the first period of their game uh, a victory for the anaheim ducks and it uh Greg Cronin, uh, you, normally coaches aren't very definitive sure. in their assessment of injuries right after a game. Yeah, that uh, that was uh, that was telling what Greg Cronin said regarding Trevor Zegers that uh, that it doesn't look good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm expecting Trevor Zegers to be gone for a while. It, it didn't look good in terms of the injury itself, and then coupled with. Greg Cronin's comments afterward, it's it's probably going to be uh, a little while before we see Trevor Zegers back on the ice. Yes, that, uh, and then he was a player that was being 
talked about as being sure. in play. That uh, report came out yesterday. I don't know how much truth there was, quite honestly, uh, with that. But uh, but the, it was a good night for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Adam Henrique uh, had, a, had a milestone evening. But uh, Greg Cronin saying he is going to be without Trevor Zegras for a while. And he was just yep. getting back into the flow uh, after a, uh, an injury play campaign to start. So uh, three big injuries uh, for you uh, there on the front of the National Hockey League and another one involving the uh, goaltenders. Now, there is some good news uh, from a guy coming back, not from injury, but Ilya Samsonov uh, went to the Toronto Marlies, didn't play for them, uh, worked out his own. Uh, with uh, Billy Tolvin, uh, the goaltending coach for the Toronto Marlies. Uh, he's back up practicing with the Maple Leafs, more of a mental reset as much as anything. So uh, we'll see whether or not uh, he is back in the fold for the Maple Leafs. So we've got tickets to give away, a pair of tickets to see the Vegas Golden Knights against the Nashville Predators coming up on Monday afternoon, Martin Luther King Day. It's a matinee at the Fortress. Uh, caller number, what do you say there, Chappie? Let's go with uh, 11. Caller number 11. Uh, phone us right now, 702-876-1340. Say hi to Chris and stick around for Catching Up with Chapman next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So last night I, I left the station, went home, and... Uh, it was kind of funny. My my wife and son were both sleeping. I got home about eight o'clock and they were both sound asleep. So rather than wake them up, I just decided to enjoy a night to myself with the dog. And I went down the YouTube rabbit hole. And I think we've all probably done it at some point or another where we've just for some reason started watching something and we start watching more and more videos on it. So I discovered a place called the Faroe Islands, which is a group of islands in between Norway and Iceland in the North Atlantic Ocean. And there are some phenomenal drone videos of these islands. First of all, if, if you remember um, the last Star Wars movie where Luke Skywalker, yeah. where he, he finally, you know, he, he, he well, he, he, he dies. Oh, I, I, I like, swear. seriously. Well, listen, if you haven't seen it by why, now. Chapman, why did it take you so long to get that out? Because well, he, was, he was hesitating. He yes, didn't want to be a spoiler alert. Yeah, you, could, just you could have just said where, right Ray, where Ray found Luke Skywalker. So same, anyway, same place. I don't, I don't know if that's the I didn't the know islands. he died. Well, spoiler. Well, now you do. Yep. Well. So I don't know if those are the islands where they filmed that where that location was, but it looks very similar to those islands. Hold on, you're on YouTube. You're going down a rabbit hole. You didn't Google that? I I, I, I just was so enamored by the videos that I, I couldn't Google anything. I was like... Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not where they shot the movie. It just looks like where they shot the movie? Yeah, I don't know if it's where they shot the movie or so not. So you I, ruined the entire movie for me for something that just looks like where they well, shot the movie. First of all, it, that was... It could the, be, but I'm, I'm just saying... I was I, the second to last Star Wars movie where Luke dies. Okay, second to last. But what did I say, the last one? Yeah. Okay. I got my order confused there. They, but anyway, um, the, these drone videos are incredible. I don't know how they manage to, to get them to, to go at like the speed it seems like they're going at. But They're using remote control. Well, no, I know that. But I don't know if they speed up the camera or not because it, it's, it's just it's incredible watching these videos. They're going down mountains. They're going in between valleys where there's waterfalls and streams and the ocean crashing against these cliffs. And then I found out by watching more YouTube videos about the Faroe Islands 
It's they only have fifty thousand people who live on these islands, but they have twenty tunnels and they're pretty high tech. Like they just built one that apparently was in the tens of millions of dollars that connected an island with three hundred people to the main island where most of the residents live. But like underwater tunnel? Yes, like underwater. Like, like six, the channel that goes from six, Paris to Great Britain. Six hundred feet under this. I'm not sure if it's the ocean or or a, some kind of canal, but. It, it, it's fascinating, and they were like, yeah, you know, we, we, we have a lot of people who are moving from that island, and we don't want them to feel like they're disconnected from the rest of, of the residents of the country. I'm going there. I don't know how I'm getting there. I'm going there. They have 70,000 sheep and only 50,000 people. I'm going there, and, and fellas, I might start have to do the VGK Insider show remotely from well, the Faroe Islands. You can't produce it remotely. No, well, I'll figure out a way. Maybe, maybe. Hey, listen, I run legal IDs from the Raider studio on Comp remotely. I'm sure we could figure out a way for me to start doing the show remotely if I move to Faroe Island. I, I bet you get there by plane. Yes, maybe by boat. yes, I'm sure. I don't the, well. The amount of ambiguity going out of this story is shocking. So, so I don't not, think that there's not any Oc chance two? that you that uh, there's not any chance that Chapman ends up there. I'm going. I'm he, going. He went down the the path of the Star Wars thing. It doesn't even involve it. He doesn't know how many how many islands are there. I think they said there's twenty. I, I think they said yes. he doesn't know how many islands there are. It doesn't matter. He, the, the, he, I, I was just in. He doesn't know how Listen, many tunnels there are. There's no talking in these YouTube videos. It's just really how relaxing. many how many lightsabers are you going to bring? Only one. That's all I need. I'm that badass. I only need one. Red, blue, or green. When can you get green. there? Like how long would it? take you if you decided to start planning today well they are i guess a, a principality or something of denmark so i'm assuming you go through copenhagen you can fly from la to copenhagen so i'm sure you could okay, do it in start a day. packing 